welcome to episode 13 of the Money and Home podcast. It's your host here, Jean Geldenhuis, founder of Money and Home and financial advisor. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about Genesis 17. Yes, as in Genesis 17, the book from the Bible, the first book of the Bible and chapter 17. Now, why Genesis 17? Well, I'm busy doing a study of all the scriptures in the Bible that speak about money, stewardship, finance, and there's over 2,400 of them, so it's going to take me a while to get through it. But a good place to start was I bought myself a concordance Bible or a concordance concordance book. And what that book is or what it does is it gives you the Hebrew, Greek, and Arabic description and translation of every single word in the Bible. So this is the NIV concordance. So according to the new uh, international version Bible you can look up the Hebrew Greek and Arabic meaning of pretty much every word in the Bible if it's available in that uh, translation and when I looked at the concordance Bible the first thing I went to look at is because it gives you actually like every single word it tells you how many times that word appears in the NIV Bible and when I looked at the word money I saw that it came up 121 times. So in the NIV Bible, fascinating that they use the word money 121 times. And when I looked at where's the first place, because I wanted to start from the beginning then and start there and work myself through, is that I saw that it said that the first place they mentioned the word money is in Genesis 17. It's the first scripture in the Bible that mentions the word money. And when I read that, chapter, chapter 17, um, it was mind-blowing how much I felt that God shared with me and that I felt the Holy Spirit revealed to me in that one single chapter, in the very first chapter in the Bible that speaks about money. And today in this podcast, I'm going to share with you everything that I feel that God has shared with me from this chapter from Genesis 17. So, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to read Genesis 17. So bear with me. Okay. So Genesis 17, the heading says the covenant of circumcision. And it's actually where God makes a covenant with Abraham around the commitment of him and future generations to devote their lives to God. And this covenant will be sealed through them all being circumcised. Okay. So listen to this. It says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, 
for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including these born in your household, and listen up, or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now that's up to chapter, uh, sorry, verse 14. So from verse 1 to verse 14. It continues from verse 15 all the way up to verse 27. But we're going to cut it short there. And actually, it's a, I could make three podcasts out of this because there's so much that I feel God shared with me from verse 15 onwards. But for today's purposes and today's podcast, we're only going to talk up to uh, verse 17. And I want to start, start off with by sharing with you some of the main things that stood out for me from what we've read so far, what I feel God showed to me in each of those um, areas and how that relates to your finances. And this is just amazing. So the first thing is that it says that Abraham or Abraham, back before God told him that he's going to change his name. So Abraham was 99 years old. Now this is an old man. But the point is, is that we need to realize that our financial journey is not a sprint, but a marathon. Okay, it's going to take a long time for you to get to a place where you have financial freedom. It's not an overnight success, and especially with God. God doesn't like get rich quick. God doesn't like overnight success because your character needs to build. And character building takes time and it doesn't happen when it goes well with us. Now you might see people that look successful and like they achieved it overnight, but I promise you that's not the case. Most people who look successful or look like an overnight success will tell you that they worked 25 years to become an overnight success. You will always find that if they do it with God and they honor God in that process, that the rate of their success will be determined by the state and the condition of their heart. And it's the same to you. God doesn't care about your bank account. Yes, He wants your bank account to grow, but He wants you to grow more than that. So He wants you to grow alongside your bank account. He wants your character to grow alongside your bank account. And that's why He's always focused on your heart first. So the state and condition of your heart will determine the rate of your success with God. But always remember that this is a long-term journey because long-term wealth is built over the long term and that's why in our course we share what we call the four virtues of stewardship which will help you along this journey and those are discipline and sacrifice so you have to be disciplined which means you have to find a plan that works aligned to god's principles financially and be disciplined enough to stick to it for a very long time and sacrifice which means that you're going to have to give up things to get what you want in the long in the long run because what you take in the short term you lose in the long term and what you give up in the short term you gain in the long term but as robert kiyosaki says sacrifice breeds discipline and discipline will always deliver a higher quality of life 
The last two virtues of stewardship is patience and delayed gratification because you're going to have to be patient. If you know that your journey to financial success is a marathon and not a sprint, which means you need to get your running shoes on. You can't run a comrades with gym tackies. You can't run a comrades with athletic spikes. Your feet will start bleeding after 5Ks. And if you don't have proper running shoes, you will get to the... If you finish the race, which you probably won't, your feet will be ruined. So you got to get your running shoes on. And which means that you're going to have to learn to be patient and apply delayed gratification. Delayed gratification is a tool of the wise because it enables you to say no. It enables you to say no. And it's like the word no has become a swear word in our society. It's as if um, using the word no is wrong. Like when you say no, people look at you like you're weird. And the crazy thing is, I can tell you, and God shared this with me, is that the quality of our lives will be determined by the number of things we are able to say no to. And now the word that God actually gave me for this year, for me personally, was the word saying no. Learning to say no, figuring out that what have I called you for, what are the things that you need to focus on, and literally saying no to everything else. Because God calls us to bring excellence to what we do. And we cannot bring excellence to a million things at the same time, guys. It's impossible. So find what you're supposed to focus on because your focus becomes your future. And bring excellence to those things and stop feeling bad about saying no. Because saying no is a good thing and it will give you a better quality life. Okay? The second thing that stood out for me from Genesis 17 is that God says to Abraham, or Abraham, he says, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. So what does God do? God calls him and calls us to obedience. And what does obedience look like in our financial journey with God? It means, and it's as simple as this, spending less than what you earn and living within your financial means. That's why we are so, uh, we hammer so much on having a budget. Because you cannot live within your means if you do not understand your means. A budget puts you in a position where you can say, firstly, okay, now I know these are the boundaries of my means, so that's what I need to operate in. And secondly, it's not about having to stick to the budget every month because it's impossible. You're never going to get that right. But it's at least putting yourself in a position where you're saying, okay, God, from an income perspective or from what I need to cover my expenses, this is what I need. This is what I'm trusting you with. So my job is to use what you've given me wisely and then trust that you will give me enough to cover all of this plus more because I am stewarding well. Okay, so he calls us to obedience, to spend less than what we earn, and you just cannot do that. If you don't have a budget and we always advise people that once you start budgeting correctly you become like a bank with a river bank now what does that mean if i'm a bank so let's say god is the customer and he's trusting a portion of what belongs to him financially with me i'm the bank now if you had to go to a bank and give a bank money and six months later, you needed to use that money for something. And the bank had to say to you, I'm sorry, sir, we spend your money. 
my wife really wanted this nice uh, dress and I needed a boat and we had to go on holiday and this and that. Would you ever go back to that bank again? Would you ever give that bank your money again? No, you wouldn't. And it's the same with God. Why is God going to trust you with more when you're not spending or you're spending what he's trusting you with on things you're not supposed to spend it on? <laughs> okay? And when you understand that and you become a good bank, which is a good manager and ultimately a steward, then you have this river bank that starts flowing out of your bank. Now, for most people, when you start in your stewardship journey, your river bank is going to be narrow and shallow. So it's going to be like, okay, I don't really have a lot coming in at the moment, and I'm also not able to give a lot, but I'm going to do it in obedience. And it, because I'm managing well, because I'm being a good bank, the customer, which is God, is going to trust me with more of his money because it all belongs to God. It's his. It's not ours. And then if I keep on being obedient, then eventually my river, my river bank that flows from my bank, my river that flows from my bank, so a river bank, eventually it becomes or it moves from being narrow and shallow to being deep and wide. So all of a sudden God's tr God trusts me with more, which means I can grow more of what he's given me so that I can give more, which means I can grow more of what he's given me so that I can give more which means I can grow more of what he's given me so that I can give more. And can you see how that becomes a cycle where it's, you're not just engaging in the world's economy of buying and selling, you're engaging in God's economy of sowing and reaping so that you can buy and sell, so that you can sow and reap, so that you can buy and sell, so that you can sow and reap. And it's a cycle that continues and grows and grows and grows. So, Make sure you get a budget, and if you don't have one, go to our website, www.moneyandhome.coza, get our course. We'll give you the best budgeting tool. It's an Excel budget, yes, but it's the best Excel budget you've ever had in your life. And we give you a seven-part video series if you purchase our all-in plan to help you budget, to show you exactly how, how it works. And we don't just do budget, we do boundaries. And we show you how to establish strong financial boundaries within your budget. The next thing that came out of Genesis 17 for me that really stood out was God promises Abraham that he will multiply him. He promises multiplication. Now, when you run the race, not as a sprint, but as a marathon, and you got the right shoes on, you got your running shoes on, and you remain obedient, spending less than what you earn, and living within your means, I promise you, multiplication will come eventually your income will multiply your giving will multiply and you will experience god's provision like never before dave ramsey uses a formula he calls it the momentum theorem and it's an amazing way to look at this process it's uh, he says that focused intensity or fi over t which is time multiplied by G, which is God, equals unstoppable momentum. So focused intensity, and we spoke about your focus and being intentional with your money. Over time, we spoke about this is a marathon, not a sprint. Multiplied by God, we spoke about living in obedience, equals unstoppable momentum or multiplication. The next thing that stood out for me 
It says that Abraham fell on his face. So when God started speaking to him, he fell on his face. And the reason for that was because he realized that I am in the presence of the Almighty God. And that, that presence was so overwhelming to him that he, he realized that I have to humble myself right now. And the best way he could do that was literally to fall on his face. And we need to realize that in this journey... <laughs> And this is so important, guys, is that we have to be able to humble ourselves before God. Because guess what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. God's not going to bring the breakthrough for you to stand on a pedestal and claim how amazing or how awesome you are. You know, this is the, the wonderful uh, difference that we can see when we look at people who are prideful in their success because it's all about them they're all eye specialists when you talk to them it's all i i i and how do you know they've got money they will tell you and the then you have people who are humble in their success and most of them if not all of them will recognize god in their journey and these are the type of people that you will meet them they're the most down-to-earth people you've ever met you would never say they have money you love them from day one. You can't wait to meet them again. And to your surprise, you find out that they are super wealthy and super generous. Because they are humble. Because they realize and recognize that their success has got nothing to do with them. It was all in the hands of God. And they humble themselves in this process of pursuing financial freedom. And recognizing that if they get there and when they get there, it's going to be all because of God. And he's going to get the recognition and all the glory. And the great thing about humility is it secures God's favor. So the next thing that stood out was it says that God changes his name from Abraham to Abraham. Now, let me tell you something. When you start to partner with God financially, I will tell you that it changes you. It's going to change you. It's not just going to be something that you do to, uh, to be in a better position financially, it's going to change you. It's going to change you as a person. It's going to have an impact on your character and ultimately your identity. Because if the world says run this way and do this with money, God says do the opposite. When the world says make debt to buy the car you want or to do the things you want to do, God says no, nope. if you can't pay cash for it, it's my way of saying no. And if you start stewarding, you're going to be weird. People are going to look at you and say, you are one weird human being. But guess what? I don't mind being weird because normal these days is broke, drowning in debt, and living paycheck to paycheck. And Dave Ramsey famously says that if you start stewarding and managing God, uh, money God's way, then if your friends aren't laughing at you, you're not doing it right. Okay, so it changes you. Just know that. The next thing that stood out was God says, kings shall come from you. Kings shall come from you. What are kings going to be measured by? Kings will be measured by their generosity. So the great thing is, is that when you start stewarding, God says you will become one generous human being. And it's not that you will give yourself into trouble. You will learn to give maturely. But you will be able to give more than you ever thought you could possibly give. 
So the next part that stood out for me was verse 7. And I'm just going to read verse 7 again to you. Okay, it says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now, what stood out here for me is that God's blessing is generational. We know that in most cases, people who inherit a lot of money that weren't able to pass those, not just the, the valuables, but the values over to the generation that comes, that two to three generations after that, the money is lost, it's gone. But God says that His blessing is generational, not just two to three generations, but thousands. In fact, we can be, we can be the ones that draws a line in the sand, that puts a stake in the ground, that changes our family tree forever so that we can transfer our values with our valuables and make sure that our riches has true richness attached to it. The next thing that stood out is that God says He will give them the land. Now my question is, what land are you fighting for? Are you fighting for South Africa? Are you fighting to go live somewhere else? Whatever the case may be, understand that you need to start fighting for your land because God will give you the land. That's what He promises. If your desire is to stay in South Africa, then start fighting for South Africa. Start fighting for your land because God promises to give us the land. Okay, and we have to fight for it. We have to stand up for what we believe in. We have to be willing to say the things that might offend people. But it's because we're passionate about the promises of God. And God promises us that there is a future and that he will give us the land. So one thing that we can do as a start is more praying and less complaining. More praying and less complaining. If you feel like this is not the place for you, I fully understand. But instead of complaining, rather start praying. Okay. The next thing that stood out is it says, God says every male is to be circumcised. Every male is to be circumcised. Now, we know that Paul tells us in the New Testament that we are not supposed to circumcise, physically circumcise, but that our, our hearts need to be circumcised because God's word and the promises of God is for all people, not just Jewish people. So how do we circumcise? Uh, according to the New Covenant is we circumcise our hearts. What does that mean? Is that we need to open our hearts towards the word of God and let go and let God. Okay? It's about not turning your, away from God or hardening your heart towards God. Because we have so many people that are hard-hearted. And that's why generosity is so important. Because if you live with an open hand, your heart remains open towards God. Okay, now we get to the most important part. Verse 12. So I'm going to read verse 12 again. It says, For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. So it's amazing that he says that even the children that Abraham bought with his money has to be circumcised. Now, I am assuming that he was a good man, who obviously in those days, it could be that children got bought. Uh, it could be the same as adoption. I don't know the theoretical uh, understanding behind it, 
But what I can take from that is that it's almost like you adopting children. So you're purchasing children for whatever reason. And I can only think that Abraham, even though he purchased these children, that they became part of his family, that he loved them. So what I feel that God is saying is because God says, don't just circumcise your kids, circumcise those that you've bought with your money. Circumcise those that you love, even though you paid for them with money. So what are the things that you own, that you paid for with your money, that you love? Because Jesus tells us very clearly in the New Testament that you cannot love God and love money. And what I feel that God is saying here is that in the very first scripture in the Bible that mentions the word money, it's clear to me that he is saying that we can't just give our lives to him. We need to give everything to him, including the things we bought, including our money, including the things we love that came to us through the power and purchase of money. We need to give our money to God because he owns it all and he owns our hearts and he owns our money. It all belongs to him. So, I'm not going to read from verse 15 onwards. I'm going to end it there because that's another podcast for another day. But what I do want to end with is this. The Bible splits in the ESV translation, not in the NIV translation. But I find this fascinating that the Bible in the ESV translation splits the chapter 17, this Genesis 17, splits it from verse 14 to verse 15. And I want to read verse 14 to you. So it's the last verse where before they split it in the ESV translation. So they split it into two chapters, chapter 17, into two sections. And the first section ends in verse 14. And verse 14 says, Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now why am I sharing this with you? Because guys, I truly believe that we are in the process of seeing the biggest wealth transfer from the unrighteous to the righteous that the world has ever seen. If you look at what's happening in the economy, and if I see what's happening in our business and in our advisory business, the people that God is sending our way is people that are willing to partner with Him financially. They might not have all the tricks of the trade, they might not know exactly what to do, but God is bringing divine strategies, divine apostolic alignments and putting things in place to show people that follow him that are willing to give their hearts and their money and everything that they own or bought with their money over to him into a position where I feel that over the next few years, call it seven to ten years, those people are going to move from a position of lack or, or enough or more than enough to abundance and prosperity. But not just for them to live awesome lives, but also for them to do exactly what God wants them to do with that money. So, my advice to you is, start stewarding so that you can also receive divine strategies to win with money, all for the purposes of God. So I trust that through this podcast, you'll have a better understanding of what Genesis 17 is all about. And even though we only spoke about verse 1 to 14, that it will give you a good idea of how you can partner with God financially. And even though 
It's just amazing that the first scripture in the Bible that mentions the word money gives us so much information about this. As always at Money and Home, we believe that just as leadership starts at home, so does money management. And through stewardship, anyone can learn to manage their money where it matters most, which is in their home. This brings us to the end of episode 13 of our Money and Home podcast. If you want to learn more about how to steward, you can get our Stewarded Basics course because you only have one life and it's important that you learn to steward it. To learn the basic principles of stewardship, visit our website at www.moneyandhome.coza. Our scripture for this podcast is Genesis 17 verse 15. So we're actually going to just share verse 15 with you just for interest sake because it's just fascinating. It says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, or Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I'm sharing this with you because I want to tell you that if you start applying these principles, like I mentioned when God changed Abraham, Abraham's name from Abraham to Abraham, stewardship will change you. And guess what? It's not just going to change you. It's going to change every single person that's involved in your life, including your spouse and your kids. Stewardship will have a positive impact on every aspect of every person in your life and everyone you love. So my prayer for you today is that you will open your heart towards God, learn to be obedient, learn to partner with Him financially, and begin to understand that this is a long-term journey, but with God on your side, you can start moving into position where you're ready for the transfer of wealth from the unrighteous to the righteous. Until next time, God bless.